the Soccer Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use the promo code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. For the first time in the match, you think he can go at him, drive towards that near post, but he doesn't. No, Fernandez. Wambasaka pulls it across, and what a hit from Dallo, who scored here last season and is unlucky not to do so again. Some really good play down this right hand side. Hits it well, Dallow. Montiel. Dominguez! The Forest have deserved it. They've been by far the better team in this second half. And for large parts of the first, the Nuno gets what he wants. Can he now get that clean sheet? from Turner straight to Alejandro Garnacho. it's Rashford and for Nottingham Forest that is an accident that has been waiting to happen the poor distribution of the goalkeeper putting his team under pressure oh, I've got no sympathy for him whatsoever it's absolutely ridiculous he's useless with his feet he's proven it time and time again yet he still tries I mean the ball's put back to him with a decent pace just put your foot through it It's Ericsson, and this time Turner does make the save. Diallo. And Forrest now look for the counter. It's Yates who's brought it clear. Ilanga. Gibbs White! They've only got it done it again. Forrest back in the lead through Morgan Gibbs White. to a threat, he hits it well Ericsson, he pushes it wide, Diallo tries to play it back across but then there's a counter attack on, and the key here is Scott McTominay who decides, I'm not saying he's wrong, but he decides to go and support Dallo and goes and supports him because Alanga might come inside and just at the edge of the box, the two centre-backs have gone back in again, and it's just a question then as to whether Morgan Gibbs-White can finish. the corner all the way out to Bruno Fernandes to hit and it is a sharp reaction to the deflection in the end and Turner after his mishap earlier is making himself a hero with his saves you are listening to bet MUFC here on the soccer gambling podcast you can follow the soccer gambling podcast on x at SGP soccer that's at SGP soccer bet MUFC is at bet MUFC that's at BetMUFC. The Soccer Gambling Podcast Network is at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. Also at Gambling Podcast. That's at Gambling Podcast. And finally, you can also follow my other X account, 
That one is at LockBangX. That's at LockBangX. That one's important because I post some free plays on there, but more significantly, I post my profit and loss spreadsheets. And I will be posting the month of December. In the next two days, what I'm going to post first, though, is a recap of my NFL futures because we absolutely destroyed the futures markets in the NFL. We've currently got 127 months in a row of transparent and track profit, but we are well on the way to month number 128 already in January with those futures completing yesterday. I'm talking about the Bills to win the division, the Bills win total, the Eagles incredibly went under the win total, Dallas went over, Dallas won the division, Cardinals went under their win total. Um, we'd already cashed multiple plays on the Baltimore Ravens prior to that. It's just been another phenomenal NFL season with 15 winning weeks out of 18 and an incredible futures card. If you want to come on board the service that has been undefeated for over a decade with 127 months of transparent and track profit, who always post their spreadsheet on the X account at LockBankX, the pin tweet will always be the pin of for the latest month. So November's there at the moment, but as I said, it will be replaced from December after I've um, posted the NFL futures recap. If you want to come on board, head over to LockBankX if you have questions, fire them over to me at LockBangX. If you want to do further research, I encourage you to do that due diligence. Go over to LockBang.com and have a look at all of the other spreadsheets. Have a look at how a bankroll is managed. When we lose a one-unit play, we don't chase it with two-unit plays. We don't have five-unit plays on there or 10-unit plays or 20-unit players or well plays or play of the year. None of that garbage, just proper staking for real people. No monopoly money, just real stakes for real people looking to make this hobby more fun. And what's more fun than making a profit from sports betting, which I like to refer to as sports investing. Investing in sports, that's what we do over at Lock Betting. So moving on with this edition of Bet MUFC, um, if you want to talk about poor investments, then you should probably talk about some of the investments that Manchester United have made over the last three or four years because they are not delivering the goods they are not a good investment. Manchester United are an absolute model of inconsistency. And I actually think that's a very generous statement. To say United are good one week and then poor another, I think only really applies to certain weeks. Because for the most part, we've been poor and we've actually been lucky to grind out some of our wins um, Manchester United's league position is a false one. And at the start of the season, I would say it's a false one because we deserve three points against Arsenal and Arsenal should have had three points less. And obviously that would have given Manchester United a little bit more confidence at the start of the season. But on multiple occasions, we have rolled back into the top six and have looked like a top four contender after going on a few runs. Uh, obviously there was that manager of the month run uh, where we had a very favourable schedule. But for the most part, Man United have been quite poor. And actually, the league position is false because Manchester United should probably be lower. Uh, there are teams below us that have played better football and have been more unlucky when you look at the likes of a Chelsea, um, who obviously... We're also expected to do far better this season and should be. But Manchester United's position is false because Manchester United are lucky to even be where they are. When you're looking at saying Man United are good one week and, and poor the next, 
while they get good results some weeks where they do manage to get wins whether they deserve them or not and then they have reality checks like the game against Bournemouth like this game against Nottingham Forest people think the Villa game was a good performance no this team turned up for 45 minutes there were good moments in the first half but they lost the first half 2-0 they showed that they couldn't defend set pieces and they were 2-0 down that's the reality and then the reality of it was is that in the second half was is that this is a talented group of players who were signed for a reason, are at Manchester United for a reason, and showed it for a very small 45-minute period. And then we got the entitled, lazy bunch who were riding on the coattails of their one win, their one decent win in the month of December, and didn't turn up for Nottingham Forest, thought they were going to automatically win the game. And this performance was equally as poor as the one against Newcastle where Manchester United had the excuse that they couldn't fly to the game. So because they couldn't fly to the game, they absolutely didn't turn up for that game against Newcastle because these prima donnas needed to get on a coach. I'm absolutely sick of it. I can't make any more excuses for anybody. I can't even make excuses for Ten Hag because he's done a lot of questionable things himself, but he's the least to blame. He's probably the least to blame because he has inherited a problem. That being a group of entitled, lazy players who don't deserve to win the shirt. Now, this problem was somewhat solved last season when he was getting better performances from the likes of Luke Shaw. He got himself a very good version or delivered a very good version of Marcus Rashford. Um, a very good version of Bruno Fernandes and somehow Man United looked like they were turning a corner but now we're back to the levels of the end of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the way that the team played under Ralph Ragnick and as a result of the end of the Ragnick era um, Cristiano Ronaldo was thrown under the bus for that as if he had been the difference maker because obviously Ronaldo arrived. There was a, a re, an initial upswing and then suddenly results started to go in the wrong direction. And Manchester United in a season where Ronaldo was supposed to make them genuine title contenders ended up finishing sixth and being managed by Ralph Ragnick. So Eric Ten Hag already had it in his mind that Ronaldo was the problem, wanted to get him out of the club. Many supporters had that in their mind. I had that in my mind. I'm not going to come here and revise the history of MUFC and pretend that I didn't think Ronaldo was part of the problem. But history tells you that he probably wasn't. He scored over 50 goals in 2023. He is the top scoring footballer in the world in 2023. Although some people point to it and say that is the Saudi league. But look at what the Saudi league have done. They have massively increased their talent roster across the board. This is now a top five league in world football. Had Ronaldo gone to... Uh, Serie A or La Liga and was doing this, um, nobody would bat an eyelid. And they are two other leagues in the top five. I would then argue the Bundesliga is the other one. And then I would say the Saudi League is now above the, the Dutch League. I would say the Saudi League is above the MLS. So I would put it in there in that top five. So he's not doing it in the Saudi League when you think of what the Saudi League was when he moved there. He's doing it now in a, in a high quality league and scoring 50 plus goals is scoring 50 plus goals, whether you do it in Scotland, England or the Saudi League, because 50 goals is such an astronomical number. And by the way, he's well over 50, but 50 plus goals is so astronomical that 
it tells you that he can still do it in any league. If you correlate it and you say that the Premier League is significantly better than the Saudi League, if you want to make that argument, and you're probably right, would he still score 25 goals in the calendar year in the Premier League? If you say the Premier League is twice as good as the Saudi League and you say it's easier to score him, would he still be able to score 25 goals in the Premier League in this calendar year? I would say the answer is a definitive yes because I don't think you can score over 50 goals in one league. And I don't think any league is significantly better enough to say a player is going to score half the goals. You still need to take the chances. Are there going to be some goalkeeping errors? Are there going to be defenders leaving you a little bit more space, marking you more tightly in the EPL? 100%. But 50 is so ridiculous to score more than 50 and to be the top goal scorer in the world and for anybody to make the statement to say, oh, he wouldn't have scored, he wouldn't have scored 20, he wouldn't have scored 25 in the Premier League is completely wrong because he would have done. So he wasn't the problem. And in fact, a lot of the stuff he was saying, a lot of the stuff that he outlined on Piers Morgan's podcast has ended up being true. And we're going to go back and highlight some of that shortly. Before we do that, let me take this quick pause to tell you guys about DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official betting partner of the NFL playoffs and is bringing you an offer that will help you make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can now bet five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. To get involved, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code SGP. New customers can bet just five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only with DraftKings Sportsbook and the code SGP. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Let me also take this quick pause to tell you guys about game time. We've all been in a situation where we've been frustrated getting tickets from a secondary market or third party source. Um, you don't know when to pull the trigger. Are these the best seats available? Are better seats going to become available? Is this the best price? Are we going to get better seats for a better price? Um, The trigger didn't get pulled, so it's getting closer to the event and those great seats you didn't capitalise on are no longer available. Maybe you got those great seats and maybe they're not there in time for the event or it's the day of the event and you're still waiting. You want Will Call to solve your problem, but guess what? You didn't buy them from Will Call. You need to deal with the person that you bought them from. And uh, it can be an annoying and frustrating process. Buying tickets for your favourite event shouldn't actually be that stressful. Game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy and theatre near you. With killer last-minute tickets, last-minute deals on tickets and the best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll actually have at the event. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Perfect for the playoffs. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, create an account and redeem the code CFBX for $20 off. Download the Game Time app for last-minute tickets at the lowest price guaranteed. I don't know what's going on, but since since the um, Sir Alex Ferguson left, I saw no evolution in the club. The progress was zero. For example, we have an interesting point that how the club as Manchester United, after suck um, Ole, mm-hmm. they buy, they bring sport directive Ralph Regnick 
which is something that nobody understands. This guy is not even a coach. A bigger club like Manchester United bring sport directive surprise not only me but all the world. You know, nothing changed. Surprisingly, not only the pool, the jacuzzi, even the gym, even some points of technology, the kitchen, the chefs, <laughs> which is I appreciate, lovely, lovely persons. They stop in a in a time which is is. It surprised me a lot. I thought I will see different things, different, as I mentioned before, technology, infrastructure. But unfortunately, we see many things that I'm used to see when I was 20, 21, 23. So surprised me a lot. Manchester United time was not an easy time. It was not easy. Um, and I, I always felt that... Uh, to win, uh, to win the Europa League uh, was fantastic and uh, it didn't look like it was, the way people approach it. Finish second. Uh, to finish second was even, even more than that, even more than that. So probably I was feeling a little bit like, wow, I'm, I'm working well, I'm giving everything and uh, I'm not getting what I think that... Uh, that uh, Deserve, but I, I cannot say. Otamendi, Kevin De Bruyne, Fernandinho, Silva, Sterling, Aguero. They are investments from the past, not from the last two years, from the past. Do you know where are many of United players that left the club last season? See where they play. Where they play, how they play, if they play. That's football heritage. So a few clips there from Mourinho and from Ronaldo. I'm also going to add clips from Ralph Ragnick, who made the comment about open heart surgery. And I'm also going to add a clip from Gary Neville. And we're going to hear those shortly. Um, just to kind of paint a picture of where Man United are at and what the real problem is and what Ten Hag and now Jim Ratcliffe have to deal with because that is the big difference. A lot of this stuff that the guys are saying is about infrastructure. Ronaldo really highlighted the problems with the facilities and how the club hasn't moved forward since Alex Ferguson Mourinho talked about the the infrastructure, the poor signings, the the managers constantly inheriting the poor signings from the from the other managers. So there's there's plenty more to come, as I said, from Neville and from Ralph Ragnick with his very famous open heart surgery comment, which was ignored but has been proven to be one hundred percent right. And uh, the question is, do we just smash it up completely and? Um, go with Ten Hag and allow us to have this kind of season where we rebuild and try to see who we really want there and who we really don't want there, which would mean not giving contracts to Lindelof, not giving contracts to Varane, or at least a reduced contract, and certainly not giving a new contract to the likes of Anthony Martial, which is being rumoured recently that we're going to give him an extension, the biggest waste of money ever the laziest player to ever wear the shirt an absolute disgrace 
And we've had a number of them over the years. You can put Jesse Lingard into that category. You could put Martial into that category. You could put Pogba into that category. You can even put Marcus Rashford into that category. And in the end, I think you will do. Some of you are on the fence at this point, but I certainly think Marcus Rashford's legacy will be that he was a massive underachiever who never delivered consistently and shouldn't have worn the shirt and was more concerned with his media image and what car he drived and just basically stopped playing every time he got a big contract. And I think this will be the last big contract that Marcus Rashford had. And it does kind of lead me to feel sorry for certain players like a Bruno Fernandes, who I do think would be tearing it up for a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or a Bayern Munich, but he's stuck at Manchester United. And you have to question whether it's gotten to him and it's now starting to affect his performances. Is he is he in a state of depression at this is at this point? Is he is he suffering from football depression, so we say not obviously um widespread depression, but does he feel depressed stepping on a pitch? Is he is he frustrated to the point where he can no longer perform? Um when you're looking at the likes of Casemiro and Varane, they're 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 serial winners and we say that um if they're disgruntled, it has to be the club. But did Real Madrid sell us a bad bag of goods? Players that were past their expiration date, if they were still capable of doing it at the tippy top level, would Real Madrid ever have let these players go to Manchester United? And then you have the likes of your McTominay's and your Dallows who will, who will try hard, but are they good enough? And were they ever good enough for Manchester United? Is Andre Anana good enough to be the goalkeeper, despite the fact that he gives numerous good interviews that make you believe in him. Is he good enough? Is Anthony good enough? I don't think he is. He works quite hard. You can't question his work rate. But um, is he good enough? And um, and then you have question marks over players like Luke Shaw, who can be very good on his day. Um, but Jose Mourinho once identified him as a problem. And is he a problem? Is he a part of the new Manchester United culture? Um, you have players like Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who has recently been highlighted for not running back hard enough to, to stop to stop an inevitable goal. Um, Scott McTominay was actually responsible for not tracking back for two of the goals. And Eric Ten Hag was responsible for bringing him on and taking off Kobe Mainu instead and um, it ended up with Nottingham Forest scoring two goals on the break because McTominay wasn't in the right position and didn't track back fast enough. And also Aaron Wan-Bissaka is um, responsible for his poor tracking back as well for that second goal against Nottingham Forest. So there are big, big problems across the board. Before we do play the um, second half of the audio... Let me take this quick pause to tell you guys about Underdog Fantasy because they have a way to play alongside your favourite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favourite players' fantasy stats and cash in. So watch along, make your picks and maybe make a little cash over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up with a promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit of up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy and the promo code SGPN. Let me also take this pause to tell you guys about Hall of Fame Bets where you can stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame bets app or visit hrfbets.com and use the code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching and start winning with Hall of Fame bets. Crystal clear, it's not that difficult. You don't even need glasses to analyze it to see where the problems are. So now it's only about how do we solve them. For me, it's clear it's not it's not it's not enough to do some little minor 
amendments and little issues here and there, some minor cosmetic things. No, this is medicine you would see, this is an operation at the open heart. This is also something that not only one single person as a manager can do. With all respect to Jürgen and Pep, I'm sure that they didn't do all the things themselves. There were also other people involved. If people want to work together, then, then it makes sense. And then I still believe that it doesn't need and take two or three years to change those things. This can happen within one year. Look, I just, I, at the moment, I think we're just sort of, if you like, biding our time, aren't we, till the new ownership starts. And, you know, I said before, people say, oh, you can't blame the Glazers for this, you can't blame the Glazers for that. You can absolutely put the success or lack of it in a sporting sense down to the owners they haven't got a sporting director they haven't got someone to say no to a manager that's strong enough to say no to a manager when they get a little bit of success like Eric Ten Hag did last year or when the other managers over the last four or five times have done it where they've got a little bit of power then they take over recruitment and they start signing players and then they start sort of getting bigger than they should do you know, every other club has a really, really sort of competent sporting department and it's down to the Glazers that they've not had a competent sporting department for 10 years to actually provide the leadership, guidance and that strength sometimes to be able to make sure that the recruitment is spot on and precise and it's the hardest job in football getting recruitment precise but if you get it wrong 300, 400 million at a time three, four times in 10 years then that is just complete ultimate failure and that's down to the owners for not dealing with that and that's why Jim Ratcliffe's going to come in and all the reports say that he's going to take over the sporting department why do you think the Glazer family are going to allow someone to come in they're still the majority shareholders and let someone else take over the most important aspect of a football club which is football because they know they can't do it so yes Eric Ten Hag should be doing better yesterday obviously you know Martial played up front was bizarre um the style of play isn't there. The players need to do a lot better. Some of the performances individually and collectively are shambolic. That result yesterday is, to be fair, a disgrace. And can't believe it. Well done to Bournemouth. But it should not happen. And, however, the continued 10 years of failure is down to them. And I, I ultimately, just need, we just need to get to a point whereby the, there is a competent sporting structure put in place that gives Manchester United a chance to be able to at least operate on the same level with the other clubs that they're up against in this league who have got fantastic ways of doing things. Let's start off with Jose Mourinho's comments. Uh, he's been doing a podcast. This is what uh, Jose Mourinho had to say. Look at this. There are still people in that club. And when I say people, I mean some players... I told United after two months, these people, you are never going to be successful. So basically, that is Jose, and, and he said it about people who are not players as well. So he's not, you know, he's not exclusively going in on players here. But that's damning. You know, that, that's damning. Jose Mourinho, he, in his first two months, he's highlighted players that needed to be removed from that football club. He stayed at the club for another two and a half years, and those players stayed there as well. They're still here now. That is bad. But the fact that he said in his first two months, these players aren't good enough and they didn't get rid of them in two and a half years is shocking. How I, I think that's the biggest indicator. I mean, a lot of people will say, what players is he talking about? And we can sort of figure it out. Look, it's bad that they're still at the club now, but Mourinho's been sacked for three years. So that is bad. But what I find even worse is, and not a lot of people will pick up on this, is that when you bring a manager in, and then in their first two months, they say these players need to go. 
and two and a half years later, that manager gets sacked, but those players are still there. How the hell can you be successful when you come in and say, remove these players, and two and a half years later, they survive you? This is Man United's biggest problem. How on earth can Jose Mourinho, one of the greatest managers in modern football, walk into a football club and say, get rid of these players, and the club say no? What's the point in having a manager? Mourinho didn't name specific players but doing a fact check, there's only four players that were there in the first two months of, uh, of, of Mourinho's reign that are still here now. So we know he's talking about when Mourinho says there's still players at that club I told them to get rid of if they want to be successful. We know he's talking about Luke Shaw, Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford, Scott McTominay. I don't think he's talking about Scott McTominay because uh, uh, he used to pick Scott McTominay, I think. Um but it, I think Rashford, Martial and, um, Mar uh, and Luke Shaw will clear... If, he, if he's accurate with what he's saying, it's going to be one, two or three of those players. So Mourinho, he also said this. When I was at Manchester United, I changed the player at half-time. Uh, I made a change and was accused of bullying by his agent. I apologise to Jose. Rashford played up through the middle again, the usual stuff. He's like a child up there. He's obviously not happy playing up through the middle. And his body language, his first few touches when they get it, suggests, I don't want to play up through the middle. But you have to. You've got to do a job for the team tonight. They're bringing on Martial. They're bringing on these players. Martial's not going to get you out of trouble. You're looking at our captain tonight. The senior players, who are established international players. Weak, no leadership, give bad goals away. Easy to play against. That's the biggest insult I can give to, to these United players. But you've got to show some belief, desire, fight. So there you go, an absolute litany, litany of accurate criticism fired at Manchester United over the last few years. We could have just made a compilation of criticism that they've received this season, but that wouldn't be accurate because the problem is more widespread because the problem needs to really address why this keeps happening because you can sack Ten Hag and you can bring somebody in but then we need to be playing the audio clips from Ten Hag rather than the criticism that's been fired at the at the new manager because say it was Graham Potter which would be a disastrous appointment nobody wants Graham Potter but say it was Potter we'd be looking at the problems from Ten Hag which would be the right thing to do we need to go back to Mourinho, Solskjaer, Ragnick, um, Lou Van Gaal, David Moyes we need to do the lot because it's a reoccurring problem and it's especially um, made worse when you think of the fact that some of these managers have got a result out of these players and um, and then suddenly it just all falls off. This season has probably been a perfect encapsulation of Manchester United ever since Sir Alex Ferguson departed from the club. If you look at this season, a few good performances a little bit of luck and then otherwise it's just been horrendous, poor, below standard, lack of effort, lack of quality. That has been symptomatic of Manchester United since Sir Alex Ferguson left. And if Van Gaal couldn't fix it and Mourinho couldn't fix it, and then you went down the different approach, the nicely nice approach of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with the arm round them. And now you have Eric Ten Hag, a headhunted coach who had success at Ajax, still relatively young, 
as a coach, but a modern day football manager, which is what people said that Van Hal and Mourinho weren't. They said, oh, they're not modern day managers. They don't know how to interact with the modern day players. The modern day players need an arm round them. So we got the arm round them with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but he wasn't technically good enough. And now we've got Eric Ten Hag, who was supposed to be the perfect combination, the perfect blend of a strict manager, but a manager who knew the modern day player, but also the manager who played that good, sexy football that he played with Ajax. Well, we get dominated every single game. Every time we go away from home, there's just constant pressure. We're not one of these big teams who are upset at the way underdogs win when underdogs come and win against the bigger sides. It's usually against the runner play. We're actually fucking dominated by the underdog. The underdog comes, dominates us, deserves to beat us, and then they fucking do. That's the problem. It's not a case of we're being beaten against the runner play. We're maybe not clinical enough in front of goal, which is a problem that you can say that Arsenal have at the moment where they are dominating games. They dominated Liverpool in the FA Cup and did not win the game. And they're crying out for a forward. You can identify what the problem is with them. What the fuck do you identify when you have a group of highly paid, highly scouted players who are being dominated on the pitch by Newcastle and Nottingham Forest? What do you do? What do you say? Do you smash it up again and do another rebuild? Or, or I don't even know what the ultimatum is. Uh, Jim Ratcliffe and Eric Ten Hag have massive jobs ahead of them. And um, the FA Cup, which is what we are playing in against Wigan tomorrow, is our last chance of actually lifting any kind of trophy this season. So this now becomes a massive, massive game. We're going to now listen to what Eric Ten Hag had to say about the Monday night game and the trip to Wigan. Eric, hi. Um, could you just update us, first of all, on Andre Nana and whether he'll be available for Monday and also the Tottenham game, which is clearly very near to Cameroon's first game in the African Cup of Nations? Yeah, so, uh, we're talking with Cameroon Federation and it was an issue uh, during the talks with Andre when he came in here and it's constructive, so yeah, we will see. So you don't know yet? So I don't know yet, but he will be there for the game against Wigan. Could you also just update us? We've been told that Aaron Wambasaka, you've the club has triggered an extension on his contract, but there are other players in similar situations like Victor Lindelof and Hannibal and Varane um, and Martial. Are, are all those options being triggered or some or none? We uh, are talking uh, with um, Rafa Farhan and with Anthony Macho and we triggered the options. So we have triggered the options on Aaron Bambisaka, Victor Lindelof and Hannibal. Right, and what, why are you talking to the other two rather than just... Uh, I think that is an internal discussion between the, the club and, and the player. What's happening now with Jaden Sancho? How far along is this potential low move to Borussia Dortmund? Oh, I can't say anything about this. This is we have to wait and see how things are going. And when we have news, of course, then we will tell you. In broader terms, though, with it being a loan deal, does that say that he still has a future here at Manchester United, or is it more that Borussia Dortmund would only want to take him on loan just now? So, as I say, uh, I can't say anything about this. Um, 
subject because you know, there is no news. Yourself and the players have met with Jim Ratcliffe though, this week. Um, how positive was the meeting from your perspective and, and what can you tell us about what was discussed? Uh, very positive, I have to say. I, um, we had have a long meeting, uh, so many hours we sit together. I think we were on many issues. We were on the same page. Um, so uh, f uh, very positive, uh, I think also from both sides. I can say that um, it was a, a very constructive meeting and yeah, we're looking forward to work with each other. Um, every, Eric, as a result of those meetings, how much do you expect to change um, when they take over footballing operations? I, I think um, it's very shortly and, and also uh, we have to uh, let, let it settle down and they're just coming in, they're introducing themselves, they, they have good ideas and um, yeah, we have to see um, what we can integrate um, in togetherness, uh, we will work, and, uh, but after one day you can't tell that. So yeah, even though it was many hours of meeting, you still a lot to learn about what their ideas are for the club? No, no. They, they have given me a few. Yeah. Oh, and they have uh, so we have had our debates of or our approach about strategies um, and yeah but, and I think um, we, we will come together okay. Okay. Hey, Eric on the injury front are we uh, able to see any more fresh faces for the game against Wigan or are they still not ready uh, no uh, I think we will have so more or less the same squad as against uh, Nottingham Forest. Kept it brief there with the clip, but um, obviously the most important thing was the communication with Ratcliffe that has happened. Um, the talks are positive. That's all he's going to say. Like, I'm so cynical and sceptical when it comes to this club. I just take things as... Um, that's what they're going to say. That's what you expect them to say. That's what they say all the time. This happens all the time. That happens all the time. I think that's the point that I've reached with this team. It's kind of um, like what Gary Neville was saying, where he's um, fed up, hates watching them, doesn't look forward to watching them, um, feels broken by the team, feels deflated by it. And I think that's kind of the attitude of every supporter. The fact that I don't have any games scheduled in. I don't have any tickets for any upcoming games. Now, obviously, um, that's a reaction to what's happened and there can be the opposite reaction. If there is a turn in form, if Man United can beat Wigan, I may immediately, or win convincingly at least, I may want to go to the Spurs game at the weekend. If I don't go to the Spurs game and we beat Spurs, which I actually expect us to do, and I'll talk more about that when we... Um, when we cover that game on the next episode, then I may want to catch a game before the end of the month. Like you just, you just don't know as a supporter. You don't want to give up completely because this is your team. At least that's how real fans feel. But it does beat you. Um, it does beat you down to the point where you are just deflated. And I'm thinking from a monetary perspective and from a time investment perspective that I could be doing things better. My time could be utilised more effectively and um, my finances could be spent more wisely than going to see a team who 
put out a complete lack of effort, who are completely dysfunctional and will continuously let me down and ruin my day and put me in a mood um, constantly. So um, we'll move on to the game against Wigan, where Manchester United travel to Wigan in the third round of the FA Cup, looking to advance to round four. We are the one to five minus 500 favourites to win here. It's 13 to two on the draw and it's 16 to one on Wigan. As things stand, Manchester United, along with Newcastle, are at 10 to one to win the FA Cup. There are four teams above us. Tottenham at nines, Chelsea's at eights, Liverpool at five to one and Man City are the three to one favourites to lift this season's trophy with the fourth round draw yet to happen. So um, not really much you can say about this game. Obviously, at these kind of odds, Manchester United would need to be backed on a handicap line to win significantly to sort of get any value out of a Man United win because you can't take them at one to five minus 500. And because it's Manchester United, that isn't even any kind of um, parlay piece that you would consider. So if there was something this weekend where um, it was a one, it was a minus 200 leg, uh, say uh, Juventus at Salonatana, for example, just being one of them, or some other FA Cup game. Although the FA Cup was a bit of a graveyard this weekend. West Ham got forced to replay. Uh, Nottingham Forest got forced to replay. Luton got forced to replay. We actually had the draw in that game, but a lot of Premier League clubs are having replays. Um, it was difficult to parlay anything together. But say you found a, a selection that you wanted to parlay alongside something shorter, perhaps to get you to plus money, you, you really wouldn't take Man United at minus 500. You just wouldn't. Um, so it makes it very difficult to to take any kind of play here. Um, I'm going to go for what has been a tried and tested play um, across all podcasts, a very successful play. Uh, and as to take a team to win and to tack on under four and a half goals, as I don't think there's any way this game will get to five goals. I don't think Man United can score five goals. They can probably concede, but if they concede, I don't think they'll score four. So I'm very happy to take... Man United and under four and a half goals. This is at four to six minus 150. So it moves you well away from minus 500. And um, I think this is the right play because Man United coming to this one having scored just one goal in the last four away games and three of those games have produced fewer than three goals. Wigan, I think they'll set up here to make it difficult for United. I think they'll sit in with a low block and we've proven that we are not very good at breaking those down. We, we are not a very creative team. We don't have a high XG this season. In fact, we're one of the poorest sides. Um, Wigan have seen under two and a half goals land in eight of the last 10 outings, including each of the last four home games. This feels like a potential 1-0, 2-0 Man United where it could take some time to get the breakthrough. And then once the game opens up a little bit, maybe we'll be able to get another. Or perhaps it'll be the type of game where we can't get the breakthrough and Wigan score first and Man United are embarrassingly chasing a replay in the late stages. You just don't know. But I'm happy to take United and under four and a half goals. Uh, This Wigan side have failed to score in three of the last six games, so we should be able to keep a clean sheet here. They will sit deep and try to frustrate United. And um, two of uh, our four away wins this season have actually been by a 1-0 scoreline and that specific scoreline is actually available at 7-1 and could be worth a sprinkle. But my main lean here for the show 
for tonight's game at Wigan is Manchester United and under four and a half goals, which is available at a price of four to six minus 150. That's it for me in this edition of Betting UFC. I'll be back at the weekend to recap this game against Wigan and look ahead to the game against Tottenham. Don't forget, there are three other review shows to come. Uh, the Premier League mid-season review, um, a reaction to the Champions League draw and a reaction to the Euro 2024 draw as well. We now have a gap in midweek where we can put these shows out. The new year is now done and dusted and people will probably be looking for content to listen to. So look for it on the Soccer Gambling Podcast feed. That's it for me. Good luck with all your bets as always. And thanks for listening.